Welcome to the World Outspoken feature. This podcast exists to introduce you to inspiring people we call culture makers. Those who tell a different story, make a new city, and change the world for the better. In today's episode, we sit down with Joel Araujo, an MLB executive committed to the growth of baseball and the health of international communities. We discuss some of the challenges faced by international players, the complexity of MLB's place and role in the world, and Joel's calling to be a bridge builder between corporate America and the international communities he serves. Now, let's listen to Joel in the city that he makes. Welcome to the World Outspoken Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Padilla. I've got a guest host with me. We'll introduce him in just a moment. Uh, but today we're here in New York City in Manhattan, actually speaking with Joel Araujo. Uh, who works in international player development for Major League Baseball. Joel, I'll give you a chance to greet the listeners. Well, thanks for having me. appreciate the invitation, and, and it's my pleasure to be here with you guys and sharing a little bit of my experience. Yeah, we're super glad to have you on. It's going to be really exciting to talk about the role of sports in making cities and improving on what we have as a society. And so we'll be talking about that and elaborating here in just a moment. But let me introduce for the first time uh, for this podcast, uh, a guest host that we have, uh, Assistant Professor of Pastoral Studies at the Moody Bible Institute, Kerwin Rodriguez. Kerwin, you want to say hi? It's a pleasure to be here. Thankful to be here in NYC again to talk with our friend Joel. Yeah, and it's going to be really fun because I have, it's a Puerto Rican and two Dominicans, both <laughs> who are very passionate about this sport. And so I'm a little bit out of my league, pun intended, but uh, it's going to be fun to, to dialogue about this. Again, one of the things that, uh, for sports broadly, I'm a basketball fan, so I'll speak briefly about sports broadly and then we'll, we'll dive deep. But one of the things that sports provide, it, they're, they're interesting and small forms of theater and drama. They, they shape the way that we then try to live. And so that's one of the things that we want to talk about, the way in which Major League Baseball is shaping lives for communities and for cities. And so we're grateful to have Joel with us because as the, as the person who oversees international player development, he gets the opportunity to not to just do this locally for the city of New York, say, or even nationally for the U.S. He's doing that in other countries across the world. And so, Joel, let's start with, a uh, simple question to get everyone on the same page of what it is you do. How many countries is it that you're working with yeah. as you uh, work on international player development? Yeah, so um, yeah, I, I'll start by saying, you know, I'm blessed to to be able to be in this role. I I appreciate while I'm doing, I appreciate the the opportunity and and the uniqueness of me, you know, being a a Latino being. A Dominican born, American born, but Dominican um, by blood and and by culture, uh, to be in this role to oversee, you know, development and and uh, the growth of baseball, the sport that we love, that my country loves, that our people love, um, globally. So that's that is unique in and of itself, um, and and I don't take it lightly. I take it with the with the weight and the responsibility that that I think it merits. That being said. You know the countries that we're involved in. It's it's the exact number I don't have because our job or my job in this in this specific case is to grow the game, is to identify specific countries, to travel, identify specific countries, and figure out how we as MLB can help grow the game of baseball in those specific countries. Um, so, you know, we oversee the country, the world. You know, yeah. we oversee the world. That doesn't mean that we have active operations in every place, but we are looking everywhere. And trying to figure out how we could, you know, contribute or or aportar 
you know, to their growth. Aportar, contribute. It's just contribute, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that. You, you mentioned growing the game, and we, we spent a little bit of time beforehand discussing this a bit, but how do you measure the state of baseball? On the one hand, you have uh, statistics that are coming out that the average age of the viewership is, is older, uh, and on the other hand, you have revenues that are getting higher. So how do you, how do you measure the state of the game as you think internationally as well? Yeah, I think, you know, when we, when we look at, at our sport, um, a, few years, a few years ago, we saw that the, the average uh, age for, the, for our viewers, I, th I believe it was 57, it was close to the 60s, um, and that concerned the office uh, a great deal because it showed that the, we didn't have any future. Um, our sport didn't have a future, so our focus has been on, on youth. And I think we're starting to see there's a, there's a gr gr great wave of young players coming into our game um, that I think is, is generating more interest in fans as well. Um, so I think that's probably the, the, the better metrics to use is to see who's playing your sport, right? And because those players, the people who are playing your sport eventually will, will become fans. Um, and the greater pool is, is fans. That's who you're trying to attract. You're trying to attract fans more than you're trying to attract players. They go hand in hand because you need a top player to draw some people's interest. But overall, I think the best and more effective way to measure it is to see who's playing your sport. And our stats are showing nationally here in the U.S., domestically, that baseball, the, the sport is growing, right? There's more play, there's more participation, is, is the word. There's more participation at the youth level. You can see it through, like, you know, um, merchandising and, and Little League bats, and there's other different things that we're looking at to see that, that it's growing. And then you can see by just the, the excitement in the country over the sport um, and over the young players. I think we've seen that here domestically. And internationally, it's just a whole different ballgame. You know, internationally, internationally, the sport continues to grow, but in the countries, but in the countries that it has, that it's mature in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela, um, it's never died. You know, it's it's really never never faltered. And in other countries, in some of these other uh, smaller countries or or not baseball hotbeds, Nicaragua, Colombia, we're seeing growth there as well. Um, so it's exciting. Venezuela is going through a really tough time politically, but what's telling to us and shows their allegiance to the sport is that the signing numbers in Venezuela, we're signing more Venezuelan players now today than ever, which is shocking considering, you know, it's a country that, that we have a tough time visiting and actually having physical presence there. But the numbers are growing. It shows their, their allegiance to the sport. So Puerto Rico, we see also it's been, a, it's been an upswing lately. Um, so I think the sport is, is in a really, really good shape overall, to be honest. Let's talk a little bit about, about that. The we know some countries that are are baseball countries. Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico has has a long legacy of baseball athletes, uh, in in some of these other places. Uh, but there are other countries that you that you talk about and that you work with: South Af South Africa, Curacao, uh, Colombia, Venezuela. Uh, what benefit does the community, does the country receive when baseball grows in these places? Yeah. So, you know. Sport in general, um, in this case baseball, is a good tool um, for life. You know, I think I think baseball has a unique uniqueness to it in that you know it's a game of failure. So if you can learn how to play baseball and deal with the failures of baseball, it prepares you for life to deal with failures in life. Um, so I, I think overall, when we go to some of these countries, um, what we represent is opportunity. You know, for a lot of people, and in a lot of these countries, it's 
it's one of your only real legitimate opportunities to be successful. So, you know, you put all your eggs in that basket. Knowing the realities of it is most people will not become Major League Baseball players. But we see an opportunity to impact people, right? People who are, who are trying to fulfill a dream. And, yeah, they may not become baseball players, but we can, they can be productive citizens in their community and change their surroundings and change their community. And that's the way we say that the, big, the biggest pool of, of, of the people that we impact are going to be fans. The same thing with us. You know, on the elite development side in these countries, the biggest pool of the players that we come across will not be Major League Baseball players. But that's an opportunity to impact them, and they will impact their community. Then it'll, the ideas will continue to grow. So, you know, in the DR, we've seen it. Um, you know, it's something that's close to home. But in the Dominican Republic, thank God that, that baseball is such a big part of the fabric of the community. Because, you know, I was born and raised here, so I can't speak firsthand to it. But I know a lot of people who can speak firsthand to it, that if it wasn't for baseball, their, their situation would be completely different. Um, and not, not in a more positive way. So everything has its good and its bads, but I think baseball, especially for these countries like the Dominican Republic and some of these other um, you know, impoverished countries, I think baseball has been much more beneficial than, than a detriment. Part of the work that you do is tapping into what already exists, the infrastructure, the framework for baseball that exists in cities and countries all over the world. And so that's what you did in the Dominican Republic, as I understand it. You, you went and already worked with what was there to showcase Correct. and highlight talent, right? How do you discern the ways in which you strategize to help and support what already exists in those countries? Yeah, so in, in the, using the DR as a sample case, they've been successful developing ballplayers, right? Well, well before, you know, Joel Araujo showed up, They've been, they've been churning out baseball players. So there's no reason for me or MLB to show up and say, well, let's teach you how to, how to make baseball players, right? You know, if it's not broken, no need to fix it. But in other countries, they do need a little bit more help, right? They, they don't have the, the pool of former players to draw from to teach baseball the correct way. So in countries like that, what we do is we hire coaches um, from other places and we'll go train coaches in those countries, train them locally. So the, the, the coaches who will stay in these countries locally, those are the ones we train because those are the ones that eventually have a longer impact and more time with the players, as opposed to us showing up and doing a clinic, you know, with Roberto Alomar or with Pedro Martinez and leaving in three days, and then the kids stay still not understanding, you know, the intricacies or the mechanics. We, we decided let's focus on teaching coaches and, and, and pouring into those coaches and having those coaches then impact the kids. Why do you think that's a more effective model? I think it's more effective for long-term growth, right? If you can, if you can empower a country or an, empower a group uh, to grow the game themselves, I, and I, I, don't, I don't think that's just limited to baseball. Um, I think overall in anything, you'll see, you'll see better results. Um, I've found that when I give ownership to people, the work product is much better than when they feel like they're working for me. Right? And I think that's, that's the case overall. In, in, in society, outside of the playing field, um, you know, we can only, the, the truth is we can only, as much resource as MLB has, we're only going to show up to the country a certain amount of time to do a certain amount of clinics before somebody needs to see a return on their investment. Right? But if we invested in that coach and now we follow up with the coach, even remotely, you know, um, he feels different about, about the situation. We feel different about the situation. And, you'll, and you start to see growth. You also build facilities, is that right, or training centers? ML, MLB, so yeah, we have 
we have different programs. Um, Baseball Tomorrow Fund is one of the programs that, that invests in like infrastructure and actual, you know, building fields and renovating fields. Um, but we, you know, we, our job overall, we want baseball to continue to grow. So we're always looking at different ways um, to grow the sport. Some places need fields. Some places need coaches. Some places need both. You know, some places need professional leagues, right, to give the kids locally or the play, people who are playing locally something to aspire to. If you're dedicating yourself four or five days a week to practicing baseball and then there's no place to play when you're good, right, it's going to kind of – it's a disincentive. So, you know, it, it's, it's – um, I think it's a skill in and of itself, and I think it's, it's important to, to identify the specific needs of each country and then figure out how we can try to address them. That's what we do. Yeah, one of the things that sparked this conversation between Joel and I was a conversation we had about some of the suspicions people have for uh, major or towards major leagues baseball's relationship with the Dominican Republic, for instance, or uh, Puerto Rico, even uh, with the the possibility that there might be some some advantage taking there. Um, what do you say to people to say yeah. baseball's presence here is a good thing? Yeah. So, you know, I. I it seems like it's the theme, but it is what it is, right? I feel like I'm just in a unique spot to, to speak on the subject. And, and I've thought about it, and, I've, and I've t- I tell everybody, you know, before I got this job, before I began working at MLB, I was Dominican. And after I stopped working at MLB, I'll still be Dominican. And so I have to be true to myself. You know, I, 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 hold, I carry myself a certain way, and I believe in, in conducting myself a certain way with integrity. So I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be anybody's, you know, puppet, you know? Um, and everyone is clear about that. My legitimate opinion is that baseball has been tremendous for the DR. You know, um, both of my parents, born and raised in the DR, my dad was a tailor, you know, um, from the age of seven. Um, and my, my mom, she was a housewife. Uh, she, she went to school, I think, uh, to the uh, third grade. My dad to the first grade because he had to go uh, be a tailor. Neither one of them went to school, and it wasn't to go play baseball. Um, not, you know, neither one of them were really baseball fans until I started working in baseball. So my point is that the, the lack of education or the educational problem in the Dominican Republic really has, hasn't, isn't Major League Baseball's fault. Are we a contributing factor as anything, right, that can distract you, as anything that's going to give you another option outside of school? Yes, we, we're, we're a contributing factor in that regard. But the reality is that most of those people, a vast majority, would not have gone to school anyway. And, you know, our clubs, they may not like to hear this, but we're inefficient. If you look at it overall, we're inefficient in our signings because the vast majority, 98, 98% don't make it, right? So the average signing bonus last time I checked was about 150000 in the in the DR. For, for uh-huh. players that are staying and playing for there. For players, as soon as they get signed, so the way the process works is generally the players will sign at from 16 to 18 years old. They'll sign a contract. Most of them won't leave the island. So they'll sign to stay playing and training in the Dominican Republic as part of that team's minor league system. The ones that excel at that level after a few years then graduate to the United States minor league system. And then you got to work your way throughout that entire system with a bunch of American players and people who English is their first language and are just as hungry um, to play the sport. It's a tough tough situation. Um, So the vast majority of them don't, don't, don't even make it. And I think that's where you know, um, that $150,000 signing bonus that that player had changed generations. Changed generations. And for, for that team, it's considered a loss of an investment that they'll do it again if they had to. 
One of the things that is interesting about the signing bonuses and these young players getting these signing bonuses is that for many of them, when they return home or when they're in their home countries, because they were signed, there's an expectation that you've made it. But what you've just described is a very long process. How do you prepare the players and even the families to understand that this is a long process and there's a long way to go before you make it to the show? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think you, you do that with education. And I think, you know, the, the younger you can get in front of the parents and the child, the better. Because they're, they're dealing with a lot with, you know, um, perception and rumors and, you know, word on the street. And you sign. And, yeah, because, you know, everybody's excited when you sign. And everybody's become is going to be Robinson Cano when they sign. Um, so it's hard then to come back to your community, you know, and especially, you know, as Dominicans, as Latinos, we're, we're uh, you know, we're, we're proud, right? And we got the swag. And so... Now you got to come back a little more humble um, and you didn't make it. You know, I have a friend who tells me, you know, everybody signed, but I've never heard the first guy get released because when they come back to the neighborhood, <laughs> you never hear that story. Right. <laughs> they just, oh, no, something happened and you're still waiting for them to go back to the academy. And like 10 years later, he's never went back. So it's 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 hard. You come back. You're young. You're you're 19, 20 years old. You're an athlete. Right. You had a certain you, you've demonstrated a certain amount of discipline to even sign, right? You're still one of the best in the world, um, yet you don't know what to do with your life. <laughs> it's tough. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't recognize or don't know is the kind of help that you provide for those with the expectation that many players won't make it. Can you describe a little bit about what programs, what initiatives you have in place to help those players who won't make it? Yeah, so, you know, the first thing we do is, you know, we have a, a transitional program. So that's when a player first signs, we try to educate him as to what he should expect, right? So, you know, there's, there's financial planning. There's, there's you know, uh, how to act in certain social settings that they may find themselves in, how to deal with pressures of your friends and your family, all of that. Again, to try to educate Um and help in that moment when, you know, maybe they do get released, you know, and they have something, they have something to fall back on and they didn't put all their eggs in that, in that one basket. But aside from that, once these, once players are released, you know, as, as a few years ago, what we started to do is we, we started a release players program. So, so players who, you know, signed that initially at one point and got released, come back to the, to the island and they want to work in baseball, we'll do like an internship program with them. So we'll put them to work. Um, we'll train them, whether it's scouting or whether it's to be a coach, and then we'll recommend them to a club. And, I mean, I think since in the last three years, I think we're around about 30, 30 players that we've reincorporated back into the system. Um, so it's little things like that. I mean, to me, 30 is a big number, but when you think of the great scheme of how many players sign a year, it's not, but 30 of, there's 30 players who now have hope, who now have rededicated them lives, reinvented themselves, and now have a different story to tell. And their story will impact other people where, where now people say, well, there's another opportunity even if I don't make it. Well, and they're in front of the kids, right? And they, they're in front of the they kids. They get the opportunity to speak to the young men and say, hey, here's what you can expect. Here's what you can see. So there's, there's a deepening knowledge base a at the lower levels there. Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask something about the parents. You mentioned the, young, the sooner you get in front of the parents, the better. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, though, I don't always trust the parents there, right? I know plenty of Puerto Rican parents who would squander the yeah. the potential life-changing benefit for several generations. 
how do you manage the parents? Like, yeah. Or, or maybe let's not accuse only parents. I would say, how do you manage the families? Yeah. It's, it's tough because, you know, we've been talking about it throughout. It's been the theme, but it's education. It really is. And, you know, we can get in front of the parents and we can talk to them. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to believe us. It doesn't mean, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to be suspicious of us. Um, but you just hope that after some time, the consistency in our message and, and us being there on a regular basis, that they'll start to trust us. And I think we have seen that over the last decade, you know, MLB's relationship um, in the Dominican Republic um, and our per the perception of us in the Dominican Republic has changed a lot. And I think it is because, you know, time tells. You know, and we've been we've been now doing it. We've been we've set up shop in the DR for a while, and we've we've had a presence in the Dominican public for a while. And I think now the community is starting to see that we're there, and we're and we're trying to do good things. We're not always going to get it right, but our intention is pure, and we're trying to do the right stuff, right things. One of the things that you alluded to earlier was the way that you're bringing in mentors in the process, people who have gone through the process, both those who are successful and those who are who have not made it to the show but are successful in other ways. Uh, why do you think mentors are so essential to the process of education? They've done it before, right? It's, it's, the, it's the living example, right? We all want to know what's the right way to go, or what's, the, you know, what's the right decision. When you, when you have somebody who you can relate to, who can tell you, I, I was dreaming like you were dreaming. You know, I'm from the same barrio you're from. Um, I grew up watching the same sport. You, the, and, and this is my story. I think that the, the impact on that is, is, is huge. You know, it's enormous. And I don't think it can be paralleled. You know, as much as I can talk to them, I never played baseball professionally. So they're always going to see, oh, yeah, he's the New York kid, right? And his situation is a little bit different. But if Pedro talks to them, it's different. If Vlad Guerrero speaks to them, it, it carries a, just a completely different, different weight. And it's balanced, right? You have those who yeah. didn't make it as part of your programs, but then yeah. you have some that did, that yeah. were a part of the show, and you bring them to, to highlight for them what the ideal or the, the yeah. dream is. And, right? they're both the, and they're both success stories, right? That's, that's I think, the, the message there when we do that is that they're both success stories. It's just different routes, right? But we're not all going to be baseball players. I wanted to be a – now, I'm speaking for me. I wanted to be a baseball player. It didn't happen. But I'm, I'm in the big leagues, Right? And that's the truth. And, I'm, and, and I don't think my playing career would match what I'm doing now and the opportunity that I have now. Right? And I couldn't have called that. I couldn't have designed that. You would ask me when I was 12 years old, I would be like, nah, I want to be a major league baseball player. I don't care what you're saying. But the truth is, my career should be longer this way. Right? And my reach it should be greater this way. Right? So um, you're right. They need to hear all messages. They need to hear from the player. They need to hear from the successful player. They need to hear from the player who's successful off the field, and they need to hear from somebody who didn't play at all and my perspective and, what, and how I view it, you know? And I think all of that can, can, can help um, give them a, a, a global perspective as to what's going on. It seems to me, based on what you said earlier about the kind of sport that baseball is, you fail a lot and you learn to keep working at it even through the failure. Uh, you talked about success not being related to whether or not you play for a major league baseball team. Uh, it changes the, the view, the vision of what a successful prospect is. Tell me a little bit about what, what, what is a successful prospect that goes through your program, through your system? Yeah. So I think, you know, somebody who can take the, the values of the sport, you know, and, and apply it to any walk of life that, they, that God takes them in, right, or, they, or that their journey takes them in. Um, 
whether that be on the field, whether that be off the field. We want to see people who, who, who are productive, um, who, who don't quit, you know, who persevere. Because that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of what our sport uh, teaches us. And, and to work in community. Right? I think those are the lessons that, that if anybody takes away, and we've had players, you know, go to college and come back and, and, and talk to us about the lessons that they've learned and they, how they've applied it to what they're doing in college. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a unique sport. Sport in general is, is positive. Um, but baseball, baseball, I think, does provide unique opportunities that you can that translate very well into life. This is a really rich conversation. <laughs> We have a quick break we're going to take to hear an announcement from some friends. Uh, Joel, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Sounds good. Hello, this is Lucas Manning, co-host of the Questions from the Pew podcast. Here at Questions from the Pew, we're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but they're often not raised from the pulpit. We're here to address the intersection of our culture and the church, which is made incarnate by the folks who populate church pews every Sunday across the nation. We see a prime importance in actively identifying the very potent challenges that arise when a Christian steps into the real world, a place which abounds in diverse cultures, perspectives, and ideologies. So here there are no inquiries off limits. If God's willing to engage with every aspect of our humanity, certainly we, as Christians, should not be afraid to run that gamut either. It might be tough reconciling a millennia's old value system within our 21st century culture, but here at Questions from the Pew, we believe in creativity within orthodoxy. Not only can we identify the questions that arise from our culture, but we can readily engage with them in both an intellectually and theologically honest manner. And too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. No longer. Join us in the discussion. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and any other major podcast platform. back here with Joel Araujo and Kerwin as the guest host. Uh, Joel, one of the things that's been really interesting as we've been talking is that you sit with a kind of ownership. You talked about being Dominican before you even had the role and you'll be Dominican after you have it. Uh, so there's a kind of ownership of your people and maybe you have Latinos broadly even yeah. um, and some of these other international communities you're working with. But there's a second group that seems to me that you have also a lot of ownership for and that's Major League Baseball itself as a, as a community, as a, as a group that you identify with. Um, so, so the way I see it, you're, you're a bridge builder between two groups that you belong to in maybe not equal measure, but mm -hmm. in important measures, right? So what lessons have you learned about being a good bridge builder? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question, actually. Um, and it's something that I, I hold dear uh, to my heart because I do feel that in, in many walks of, of my life, um, I've been able to be that bridge builder. Um, and I think that's a good way to say it. I'm fortunate enough to be able to navigate in both worlds um, being who I am. Right. Not like switching it, um, depending on my audience. Uh, I think people here can attest to that when they see me here at MLB, I'm the same Joel that when they travel with me to the DR, they find in the Dominican. You know, it's the same guy. I'm kind, I'm loud. <laughs> um, you can you know, when I'm when I walk in the room um, and, you know, I think that 
ha- being able to uh, be uh, transparent, authentic in both worlds, I think um, has enabled me to uh, resonate and my story to resonate um, in both worlds and have the, the attention and audience of both worlds. And when I say both worlds, um, I'm referring to the corporate America, um, which is MLB and where I work. Um, and the other world is, is you know, Dominican, my Dominican um, roots, my Dominican community. Uh, and that's not just speaking Spanish, right? That's, that's having an, an appreciation and an understanding of the culture um, and, and the perspective of the culture. So though I was born and raised in New York, my story is, I think, similar to many, you know, New Yorkans or, or uh, Dominican Jols, as we say in the DR <laughs> story, where I would spend my summers, you know, parents would save up, you know, for two years, um, whatever they can. And then every two years we'd spend it. We spend our pretty much our entire summer in the DR. You know, you get the new clothes and all that stuff and you leave them in the DR with your cousins, you know, in the neighborhood. But that was my story every two years. Um, so. You know, and when I, it's funny because when I would come back home, when it was time to come back, I would be devastated. I, would, I wanted to stay in the DR. So this is a kid born and raised in the Bronx, right, and with all the comforts, you know, of, of the United States. And in the DR at that time, I mean, you would lose power on a regular basis, right? And, <laughs> and hot water, you know, good luck. You know, it's kind of that situation. But what was so eye-opening for me was that in the middle of, you know, you're hanging out, and I'm a big, you know, sports fan and big Mets fan, and I'm trying to watch games, and the power goes out. And, you know, I know if it was in the States, I'd be done, right? It'd be devastated. It's like, what? Well, this is so boring, right? Um, and in the DR, it would be a celebration. Se fue la luz. And it's like a loud, you know, ah, celebration. Se fue la luz. And, I would, <laughs> and it would throw me off, right? For those who aren't yeah. in the room, Kerwin, another Dominican, <laughs> is nodding his head like I've never seen. It's like an amen <laughs> to a sermon over here yeah. going on. Th- this was also my childhood. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I think it's, it's, um, it's not that unique, um, but there would be a celebration, and then you'd whip out the dominoes, right? And you'd, si- you'd sit in front of the stoop, in front of the, the colmado, and you play dominoes to the wee hours of the night. You know, the light may or may not come back. You know, you walk when you drive into the neighborhood sometimes back home, you're trying to see if the lights are on to know if you have light when you get home. Like that was so I was able to appreciate that, but still coming to New York. Right. So, you know, the community is something that's that's dear to my heart. So when I find myself in this position that, you know, it's not this is this was not my roadmap. It really wasn't. Um, And I find myself in this position. How can I not feel a sense of responsibility? Right. I'm a U.S educated um u.s law school you know educated because in the dr there's a lot of lawyers but you're looked upon differently when when you got your law degree here right so when my voice speaks here it's not it's not well he's just pulling for the dominican no there's there's i'm i'm a i'm a thoughtful person you know i'm i'm using my brain and logic and i'm trying to come up with solutions that can benefit both groups right so that's 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 my perspective with corporate america and then going back home you know, I'm, I'm, when I say speak their language, I don't mean Spanish, but I'm speaking their language. Um, and I'm explaining things to them that probably many of them never had explained to them or not explained to them that way. And you add authenticity to that and, and you know, you, you're able to impact people. And that's really, that's all I'm trying to do. One of the skills that you're alluding to, you said it a couple times, to be able to speak the language isn't just speaking Spanish. Uh, you're talking about values and, and, and cultural uh, importance. Uh, 
why is that so necessary for the kind of work that you do as a bridge builder? Yeah, because perspective is 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 important, and you know when you're you in the, we're very fortunate in this country, right? We have we have a lot of freedoms and we have a lot of um, just you know comfort. So it's hard to understand sometimes when you see other countries and other people doing things to relate to their plight, to their struggle. So when a kid in the Dominican takes on a false identity, here that's, it's, it gets lost in translation. How could you assume the identity of your dead brother? Like for the rest of your life, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, I'm able to explain it in a way that I hope um, they can have a different appreciation. Just because they did that doesn't mean they're bad people, right? You gotta understand that it's, you know, it's your only hope. Everyone in your community is telling you this is the right thing. It doesn't seem like it's the wrong thing. It seems like it's the way. Um, and this is what good people that I've seen do, right? That's what they're thinking. They're like, that guy's a good guy and he's a Christian and he did that, right? So it's, it's almost like it's just a way of, of life. And, and when you don't know any other way, um, you do it. So then it's later on, it's hard to then judge them off of that action as if they, you know, consciously were just frauding. Yes, it, it is a conscious fraud. But unless you have an appreciation of where they come from and unless you can, you don't have to walk them out in the shoes, but you have to appreciate it. It's almost as if in order to be a good bridge builder, not only do you have to have empathy, but you also teach empathy to the other person. And it goes both ways. It's not like I'm telling MLB, you got to see how these Dominicans are. You don't have no idea what the struggle. No, I'm telling the DR, you got to understand, MLB is a private corporation, American corporation, trying to make money, trying to grow baseball to, to produce revenue, right? To make, they're not, their job is not to educate every Dominican. So in the DR, they have to understand that as well. But only if you have credibility and you can speak to both sides of it, right, and not just pull it, then people will listen. So, you know, um, again, I, I just think it's not anything um, that I necessarily uh, possess necessarily. I think it's opportunity and, and appreciating that I have a responsibility that not many people um, are afforded. You also have an eye for it, right? You've, you've been seeing the dynamics play out long yeah. enough that I think you can speak to both worlds because uh, you, stand in, you stand in with an open eye. There are, there are bridge builders. I think that's, as I'm listening to you talk, one of the things that stands out to me is that you're paying attention. Yeah. You're paying attention to what, uh, what values are undergirding the behaviors of one, and you're also paying attention to the other, right? And, yeah. and that might be a lesson for others that are trying to enter into corporate America or build culture in their own way. Yeah. They have to think about, um, they have to go into it with their eyes open. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would say that's fair. I, I completely agree. I think... You have, to, you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and you have to see, you know, the, the opportunities that, that I believe God affords us. And sometimes they're in non-traditional ways. Um, but when, in my case, I've dedicated my life to wanting to do good things. I, I only get excited if I feel like it's, like it's, it's real and it's making a difference, right? I'm, I don't get excited over money. Um, I don't get excited over fame. I really get jazzed up over, man, like, I could change somebody's life, right? And, it's, and it's something, sometimes it doesn't even cost you anything, right? They see you in a certain way, and if I can take how somebody views me to now give somebody some words of encouragement, that kid will be impacted for years to come. I won't even remember, right? So, what, so 
why not? So, um, yeah, you say I've, I've paid attention. I've deliberately explore ways to have an impact. And, and in this case, it's my job. Um, but in my job, I am being myself. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing. It's, it's, you know, I'm incorporated within the work that I'm doing. One of the things that you mentioned in, in that response is you're, you're talking about the why you do what you do. And some people hear your job and hear about your job and they say, that sounds amazing. That sounds great. It sounds like a lot of fun. But you also have a lot of challenges in this position, uh, especially when it's difficult. Where do you find the motivation and strength to keep doing what you do? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And it is, it is oftentimes challenging. But when, you know, we had a kid, I, I, we do a program. I think I mentioned it earlier. It's a coach. It's called the Coach Development Program. And it's, it's something that God placed in my heart and inspired me and, and you know we designed it we're the architects of it and it's it's a program that travels around the world teaching co local coaches um last summer one of our staff members was in panama for a in, an international youth tournament where you know a lot of different countries send their 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 teams to to, to compete and we ran into a player he ran into a player from uganda and you know, he showed some flashes, and he went with his scouting eye, right? And the, and the player uh, showed some flashes, and when he started to engage the player and ask him a little bit about himself, the player made reference to his coach, the player's coach, who took this course in Uganda last year, a coach development program. And when his coach returned back from that course, it was a 10-day course, everything changed, how he, how he teaches, um, not just you know, the mechanics of it, but even his approach. Um, long story short, this kid is saying, hey, the coach that you guys trained has impacted me, and now this kid is on the radar with scouts. That's where, that's gratifying. Um, and so when those times where, you know, things aren't necessarily going our way, I think back, someday kids in Uganda are going to be playing bat baseball in the big leagues. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And I believe that begins with programs like that. So, you know, it, 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 may, it may never have my name on it, um, but you know that something that started, you know, in your intellect, in your, in, your, in your mind's eye, that God placed in your heart, it will now have an impact in the world for many years to come. That's, that's, that's where I get my strength. That's the beauty of shaping culture, perfectly personified for <laughs> us, right? That culture will far outlast the jobs that we take if we create the kind of culture that fosters development for others. It's beautiful. It's exactly amazing. Right. Uh, Joel, I got a silly question to ask you. Yeah. You still any good at Domino's? I'm nice. I'm very, I mean, it's hard. It's so I shouldn't say it so people don't get offended. But, say, everyone just hurts <laughs> but you. when you're spending your summers in the DR with no power, you got to get nice at Domino's. All right. So absolutely. Right. I think I'm nice. Pending challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know we had another silly question that we wondered. You still a fan of baseball? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's tough. You know, you get caught up with the travel um, and I can't, you know, I don't watch as many games as I used to and I don't get to the stadium as often as I, as I'd like. Um, but every, all of my travel, all of my travel ends up at a baseball field. You know, um, you can't be in this unless you have a passion for it, unless you really love it. Um, I get, I get a kick out of watching my kids play baseball. Um, when they start asking me questions about the game, 
it's really exciting. So absolutely, I still have a passion for the sport. It's, I think it's the greatest sport. Agreed. It is the greatest sport. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I played more basketball than I played baseball. You know, a product of being born and raised in, in, in New York and in the Bronx. But So I can play some ball. Don't sleep. I can okay, play some ball. Wait a minute. But, Two challenges. <laughs> but that's just to stay in shape for baseball. There you go. There oh you my go. Gosh. But my, my heart, my heart is definitely it's, and it's always been baseball for sure. Amazing. Hey, Joel, thank you so much for being a part oh, of our conversation me. at World Outspoken. Is there anything that you thought, hey, I just want to leave one last thing for everyone? Is there anything you that we didn't ask you about? No, I mean I I appreciate the opportunity. Um I think the platform is something that that, you know, should be uh taken seriously and, and responsibly. And I, I, I hope I did that. I hope I was able to you know, answer some questions and, and shed light. Um, and, you know, hopefully people see there's a whole, there's an interesting side um, of baseball. And if there's one message, especially to, to your audience is, you know, we can impact the community however we, however we choose to. I believe that God gives us specific uh, gifts and opportunities. And I think those are to be used um, for that, to impact in a positive way, to impact people and to help change people's communities and, and help change uh, people's lives. Yeah, to that we say amen. Kerwin, thank you so much for being a part of the World Outspoken feature this month. And uh, we look forward to hearing more, Joel, of what you do and keeping track of you. And many blessings to you on your work. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Joel Araujo. For more features like this one, make sure to check out the World Outspoken website. And if you enjoyed this talk, please make sure to share it on all your social media with friends and family that you think would be interested in World Outspoken. Again, our hope is that you would be working toward telling a new story, making a new city, and changing the world for the better. 